There are two dangers of extremes in public speaking. The first danger is to speak on something so controversial that people are so distracted by the topic that they can't really hear what you say. The second danger is that you speak on something so generally agreed to that they don't really hear what you say because they think they already know it. We are in the second danger this morning as I talk to you about the importance of the word of God. Who would disagree with that? The world wouldn't disagree with that. The world would generally assent that the Bible is the most important, most impactful book ever written on the course of history of the entire world. 75% of the people in this country, according to a Pew poll taken about a year ago, would identify this as the Word of God. 75%. Here comes the problem. Reverence for this word doesn't translate into reading this word because only about 26% really read this with any regularity. And so at the beginning of this year, I want to establish for us not only our basis of truth, but our basis of growth. It's the Word of God. And it's not merely understanding the written Word of God, because if you understand the written Word of God, it links you with the living Word of God, who is Christ. The Word became flesh. Let me review for you where, where we are. By the way, good for you coming back. Keep coming back, because you're going to be glad you did. Last year, we talked about God wanted us to have the best year of our lives, regardless of our circumstances. And one, at the, one of you at the end of the year identified what that meant. Mia Kozart wrote, and she said, it was the best year of my life. And she listed both the terrible things that had happened to her and the wonderful things that happened to her. And this was her conclusion. I saw God in every one of them. When you see God in every event in your life, you will have the best year of your life, regardless of your circumstances. I want this to even be a better year, and so does God. And let me tell you how this gets better. It's not just seeing God in every event of your life. It's seeing God's perspective in every event in your life. And in other words, is it possible that you don't just see God, you see like God sees? You see from his perspective. Remember last week when we started out with, with that sculptor from France, the, the, the man who arranges junk into something beautiful. Remember that you could only see the beautiful arrangement from the author or from the perspective of the creator. You walked out to the side and it was just a pile of junk. But the creator had arranged the junk in such a way that it was a work of art. Our creator does the same thing. We look at our lives just for the world and we go, man, there's just a lot of junk. 
But if you understand your life in the way God has brought you to this point, from his perspective, you're his work of art. And when I say to us that God really wants us all to know why we were made like we were, each one of you is unique. Each one of us is irreplaceable. Why we've been through what we have. Nobody has been through what you've been through with your perspective. And what there is yet to do, you know the only way that's going to happen? If you see not only yourself, but your world from God's perspective. Do you know the only way that's going to happen? This book. The old term is to see from a Christian worldview. That's the old term. But I think God wants us to have the power of his perspective much more personally than that. Not just generally being able to appraise the world like he appraises the world, although that would be mighty enough. But to be able to do something about it. Because this doesn't just tell you how to watch, it empowers you to act. When I say the Bible is our authority, I'm going to explain that as we go along. And by the way, this is just, this is just an introductory thing. We're, we're, we're just, we'll, we'll talk more about scripture later on and how to, how to understand it and how to you know, study it and how to read it. and all. We'll, we'll do all the how-tos later on. Just, just hold up, all right? I want to establish the why right now. That's more important. The why comes in probably the most powerful verse about the truth um, um, uh, of Scripture written in Scripture. It's, it's in 2 uh, Timothy 3, um, 18, most, or 16 through 17, I'm sorry. Most of you uh, or many of you have memorized this. It says, all scripture is inspired by God. Now watch this. The word inspired there means God breathed. I want you to note this about when God breathes. When God breathes, he fills us with life. The life. Remember how God made Adam and he breathed the breath of life. Hebrew is ruach. The breath, the, the, the same word, by the way, is spirit. All right, so it's inspired means spiritually breathed. And so this word has a spirit that gives you a life. Let me just interrupt my interruption. I, I, was, I always ask God, God, I don't know what I'm going to say, but just tell me what I'm saying as I go along. So he always does, and that's why I keep interrupting myself. When I talk about authority... The Bible is our authority, our highest authority for all belief and conduct. What do I mean by that? I don't mean it's just our boss. There are degrees of benefits in authority. You start out with authority has the power to tell you what you can't do. Because if you do this, there's going to be consequences. That's the, that's the basic kind of negative, neutral view of authority. That's what authority does. And when you say the Bible is our authority, you say it can tell me what I shouldn't do. 
It has that power. I can't use it. I'm going to, well, I'll get to that later. But, but, but it, it tells me what I can't do. The next step up is those same passages can tell you what you can do to make all the difference in the world. This is what you can't do or you will destroy yourself and those around you. This is what you can do to make all the difference in the world. Now watch this. It goes on, the authority, the greater part of authority is to tell you what you can be. This I Am series is not just about what we do, it's about what we are. It's about what we are becoming. Remember last week I told you about the, the four B's. I'm gonna switch one of them. I talked about belief, behavior, belonging, and beginning conversations. Well, I'm gonna switch behavior to becoming. That's, that's a better word, all right? And so it tells you what you can become. Not just what you do, but what you can become. And then the ultimate greatest authority gives you the power to actually do it. And that's what this word does. So when I say the scripture is the authority in our lives, it is the power to become what God made us to be. But here's the catch. You got to read it. You, you got to, it's not, you know, while well, I've been through it. No. Has it been through you? That's the key. You've got, you've got to find a way to understand more and more, to partake more and more. So when it says all scripture is inspired by God, put that back up. I'm done with my interruption and my interruption and my interruption. And profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Now, I'll come back to that one. So that the man and woman of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. By the way, could I just interrupt uh, uh, myself again? As many of you say, okay, if I, if I start reading the Bible, what version should I read? You know, the Bible is this book that was, that's 66 books. It's a library, really. The, library, uh, the, the, the Bible is a library. And, 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 and it's 66 books written by 40 authors over 1,500 years. It has probably at least a dozen different genres of literature in it. It's, it's, and, and, and you've got to read the passage according to the genre, the context, what they were trying to say to that audience, and so on. So we'll, we'll get into all that. I interrupt myself again. So, so, and some of you say, well, okay, well, what version? At this point, it really doesn't matter because you're reading in order to be established in righteousness. What's righteousness? I've taught you this before. Righteousness is meeting the demands of a relationship. It's building a relationship. The goal of the Bible is to connect you to the living God, to build your relationship to the living God. So what version will get, get, get you there? All of them. Let me, let me there, is, there, there are some differences. Let me, there's a chart in, in the bookstore out here. Let me show you this chart. There's, there, there goes from, there, there, it goes from a um, kind of a word for word translation. 
An interlinear Bible, this is one I use, has um, the English and then it has the Hebrew or the Greek words right below it, below it as it were. No, right above it, I'm sorry, right above it. And so that, that corresponds word for word. This is the word in Hebrew, this is the word in, 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 in English. This is the word in Greek, this is the word in, 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 in uh, English. Uh, Hebrew or Aramaic, there are three basic languages in the Bible. Some, a little bit of it's Aramaic. But then you go down and, and the next one is NASB. That's the one I use simply because that's where I am in my understanding of scripture and that's what feeds me most spiritually. But, but go all the way down, go to the NIV. That's about the middle of the road. That's, that, as you go from word to word to thought for thought, it translates the original manuscripts into everyday language, into commonly used language. Until you get down to the living Bible or the message and you say, well, is that really the Bible if it's just translated into our everyday language? The answer is, of course it is. Of course it is. It's, 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 it's like the, it's like the, uh, the, the original um, 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 manuscripts translated into Latin and, and, and then the, from the Latin into the English. And, they, and, and people would say, well, this is not really the, the right, if, if it, is, it, is it really the word if it's translated? Of course it is. So if this is the one that you can understand with your heart, read that one, all right? There's not a correct version. The Holy Spirit is the one who transfers it to us. And, 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 and so it doesn't matter which version, it's the same Holy Spirit. And the important thing is that you read it so that whatever you read, you can get a little bit of it. You won't get all of it. I'm reading through the Gospel of John again. I just, I, I, I've been doing this for 50 years. And I learn something new every time I go through it. And God forms something new in me every time I go through it. I can't emphasize enough how we don't understand the importance of the word. I heard a story one time about this guy who was talking to his friend. And he was talking about his German ancestry. He said, you know, our family goes back literally centuries into Germany. And he said, there was this Bible that came down generation after generation after generation after generation after generation. And it was kind of kept getting older and older and more tattered. I finally just got rid of it, threw it out. He said, it was, it, was, it was in German. I couldn't understand it. It was published by somebody, Guten somebody or other. The man who was, a, who was an authority on old books said, Gutenberg? He said, yeah, that's it. He said, you had a Gutenberg Bible and you throw it out? He said, the last Gutenberg Bible was sold for $2 million. The guy was unpersuaded. He said, this one wouldn't have been worth $5. Somebody named Martin Luther had scribbled all over it in German. I cannot emphasize enough the importance of this book for your life, for my life. And I, I'll keep coming back to this, but let me tell you how not to use this book, okay? Because that's, that's one of the th main things. Sometimes people don't use it because they're approaching it or they don't understand it because they approach it with wrong motives. They approach it as, well, it's a rule book, so I gotta go read the rules. You know, or it's a map for my life. I'll be able just to open it up and God will tell me what to do. 
you know, that's, that's not, or it's, or it's, you know, argument material. Now, this is not new for people reading the Bible, reading scriptures. Um, it says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, it says, remind them, which is what I'm doing right now, of these things and solemnly charge them in the presence of God not to wrangle about words, which is useless and leads to the ruin of the hearers. This is not meant to be material for argumentation or an argumentative spirit. If that's why you're reading the Bible, either to justify yourself or to, for, to find something on your side against someone else, God's spirit will just shut down on you. And all you have from then on is your flesh. Because this was never meant to be ammunition. This was meant to be life-giving. And that's exactly what it is. Life-giving. Because... It builds a relationship between you and God. It gives you the basic, let me ask you this. What do you need to build a relationship with anybody? The first thing you need is accurate information about them. Because you can't have an intimate relationship without accurate information, can you? This gives us the accurate information about who God is. This is our primary source for accurate information about who God is. Do you remember when you first started, those of you who are married, do you remember when you first started um, dating your wife or your husband? What was the first thing you did? You asked them about themselves, right? Where are you from? What do you like to do? You know? And then the secondary, watch this, source material were those who knew them. You, 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 you got with their family or with their friends and they described this person. And then as you heard their words, you began to evaluate who they were. I still remember when I was dating Becky. And I, and I wanted to know about her life. So I asked her all questions about her life. She was very uncomfortable because she doesn't like to talk about herself. But I wanted to know her perspective on her life. This gives us God's perspective on his life as seen in Jesus Christ, primarily seen in Jesus Christ. Number two, I wanted to talk with everybody who knew her. As we started to get, uh, as I started to get a little bit more serious about the relationship, I wanted to see what they said about her. What does this book do? This book tells us about everybody else's experience with God, not just everybody else's, but our ancestry. You know, I know some of you, the older you get, the more you get curious about, you know, the heroes and horse thieves in your own, in your own family. So there's a whole lot of people who are signing up these days on Ancestry.com. This is your Ancestry.com. When it comes to your spiritual family, and it's replete with heroes and horse thieves. There's not just good people in here. There are some ornery, ornery boogerheads in here. And they're a part of our background. 
But this is a part of who we are. And so I used to ask, you know, who do you, who do you say that she is? <laughs> Before it came down to who do I say that she is? And then I'd interview her about other people. Because that's what this book also says. It tells what Jesus said about others. And I wanted to know who she was by who she said about other, or about who he said she was. <laughs> I'm getting mixed up. I'm mixing up Becky and Jesus. That's not a, <laughs> not a bad thing to do, but it's not entirely accurate. So anyhow, but one of the things I, I appreciated about Becky, and one of the things that attracted me to her is, is I would ask her about all these other people. She never said a bad word about anybody, which... I thought to myself, boy, that's the person I want to be married to because I don't want to be her turning on me someday, you know? And, and so it was, just, it was just a very endearing quality. Well, Jesus doesn't quite do that. You know, he calls us out where we need to be called out. He's more comprehensively true. Um, um, it wasn't that she was being false. She was just being very guarded. She likes, she's a very positive person. But, but, but this is more comprehensively true. And so we get to know God through Jesus by what he says about others as well as about us. And so the scripture goes on to teach us that we need, watch this, to understand that we have been brought into this family it says in 2 Corinthians uh, 2, 15, uh, 2, chapter 14 and 15, or verses 14 and 15, be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. Be diligent, I'm sorry. Um, and, so, and so that's what we, by the way, you don't come when you're in scripture, you don't read scripture to see if God loves you. You have this book because God loves you. That's already done with. That's the gospel, by the way. God loves you enough to sacrifice his own son for you. So this is not about whether or not God loves me or whether I need to do something in order that God will love me. That's already been decided and acted upon by God himself. This is about how do I get to know the one who loves me? And how do I get to be a part of the family that he has formed throughout the years specifically for himself? It says in 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, see how great a love the Father has bestowed on us. It's already there. You don't have to earn it. You already got it. He's already made up his mind about you and he's crazy about you that we should be called the children of God, and such we are. For this reason, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him just as he is. Have you ever noticed this? No, I, I'm sure you have because your mother told you this all the time. You will become like the people you hang around. 
Birds of a feather flock together. Didn't she? Birds of a feather. You know, remember that? You become like the people you hang around. What I said last week is the book title, you will be, you, We Become What We Behold. This helps us when we're looking at God, see not only who he is, but who we will be. This helps us in the family way to understand who we are becoming, who he is transforming us into. Remember 2 Corinthians 3.18, you know, beholding as in a glass darkly the glory of the Lord. We are being transformed into that same image by one degree of glory to another as from the Lord, as from the Spirit. And so therefore, this is our future. He is our future. But in order to do that, in order to go to our future, let me tell you something very practical. Now all of you are sitting there going, <laughs> all right, good. Do that when I tell you what comes next. Because we're not just here for intellectual agreement. We're here for action. You didn't come just because you had no place to go on Sunday morning. You came because you want God's life in your life and you want to have an impact on this world starting with your family and your friends that God will have. That's why we're here. And so let me read this next part to you. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 19 and 20, this is what it says. So we have the prophetic word made more sure to which you do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. You remember we just sang, thy word is a lamp unto my feet. When we're reading it, he will guide us into the right paths a step at a time. You know, the old fashioned lamps didn't let you see all the way through to the end. They gave you enough light just to take the next few steps. And that's what the word does, all right? But know this first of all, that no prophecy of scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. What does that mean? Here it is in plain language. You cannot understand this book by yourself. God made it like that. If we try to say, I'm gonna read the Bible, I'm going to understand it, and then I'm going to do what it says. First of all, we'll quit after a while, but second of all, we will find ourselves reading the Bible for what we hope it says, for what we would like it to say so we can live the kind of life we want to live. That's not an authority. That's a servant. The Bible becomes your servant. No, we got to have people around us. And remember, our continuing theme is we need big church and we need personal church. This is big church. All of us need this, you know. Big church offers us people who have been schooled and have been trained to help us in ways that not everybody can help us. But personal church is there to help us in ways 
that the people of big church will never know us. And so therefore we need Christians to talk through scripture with, why? Because you will never understand scripture until you hear it from other people's perspective and watch this, until you try to explain your own perspective. <laughs> That's a great thing that God has made in us. All of us need to try to share, that's that beginning conversation thing, what we believe before we even understand what we believe. It doesn't really get rooted in us until we realize that this is something we're gonna have to act on and our life and the lives around us depend on it. And when you can share that and do your part, let me just end with this. We'll come back to this. We're, we're not done here. In many, many messages, we're going to come back to this. But let me just close because I'm, I'm anxious to get to, to partake of the divine nature through the sacrament that Jesus has given us, the, the memory that Jesus has given us. It was the fall of 1944. There was an American platoon in France, it was still occupied by Nazi Germany that was retaking France a step at a time. And the captain got a call from headquarters that they were to retake this little French village that was currently occupied by the Nazis. It was a very dangerous mission, but they had a resource that very few American troops had. This particular village was full of French resistance forces. They were unarmed, but they were very aware where all of the Nazis were. They were very aware of every sniper site, of every um, um, armament, um, housing capability, of every machine gun uh, site. And what they did is they drew a map of the town designating every enemy force power capability. And they smuggled that map out in the dead of the night. The American troops got that map. The captain pulled all his troops together. They passed it around. He said, memorize this. I'm gonna test you on this. They spent all night memorizing it. He tested every troop, every trooper. They all passed with flying colors. The next day they, they retook that town with a minimum of casualties. Why? Because they all had what they needed to give life, to save life, and to free life. The antecedent to that story is that 30 years later, a group of tourists went through that town. They were given the same map, the same amount of time to locate these locations. They couldn't do it. 
Not because the town had changed, but because they didn't realize the importance the way the American troops had realized the importance. Here's the challenge to us. Do you realize the importance of getting into some form of Bible study for your future life? It just so happens that this is adult equipping weekend and those of you online can go online and see all the options that are available for you. Those of you who are here can go out in front of the hub. We have a whole host of groups all centered around scripture. We have an upcoming Lenten study that will allow each of you either to get in a group or form a group so that all of us can study the map and we can proceed with absolute power and insight and efficiency. Pray with me. Lord, thank you for your word. Apply it to our minds that we might not grow shallow and to our hearts that we might not grow cold and to our feet that we might be doers of the word and not hearers only. Amen.